Welcome back to the Menopause Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Gordon. And if you're watching the replay or on YouTube, thank you so much for being a part of the Menopause Movement. I really do appreciate you. Today, we welcome Makosi Candace Pitts back to the podcast. I'm so excited to have her. I wanted to bring Makosi back to the podcast to get a shaman's perspective of current events. Now, get ready. Because in this podcast, we delve deep into the woo. And it's also a bit longer than our usual podcast, but we really were having a great time. So I just kept on going. Now, Makosi of theroyalshaman.com is an abundance activator and authentic African shaman that helps burned out conscious visionaries fulfill their highest potential using mindset, mindfulness, and metaphysics mastery. By utilizing a long list of spiritual abilities and her unique Align in 3D framework, she assists high achievers to discover their purpose, decode their essence, and break through the blocks that's keeping them from being limitless. She bridges ancient spiritual wisdom in a modern, practical way to resonate with people from all walks of life by applying fundamental spiritual truths to help high achievers consciously create satisfying success in the real world. The wisdom she shares is all-inclusive, non-religious, and practical. Her clients walk away with a completely different perspective of their life and the world and obtain the tools they need to be happy, successful, and fulfilled spiritual beings having a human experience. So we had such a great time in this podcast. And during the podcast, we discuss Makosi's spiritual journey. What is a shaman? A shamanic perspective of current events. How humanity is at a crossroads. How the current state of the world is an opportunity for change. Getting into alignment and what alignment actually means. The role of ancestral DNA and its role in consciously creating the future. Stepping into who you were born to be. Reincarnation. The paradox of spirituality. How science is catching up with the spiritual truths that are known and have been known for a long time. The role radical responsibility plays in our life's outcomes. And how we change the world by becoming the change and stay to the end to experience a powerful clearing exercise that will leave you feeling refreshed, energized, and ready to step into your best self. Now, at the end of the episode, make sure you visit drmichellegordon.com forward slash podcasts, where you can find the show notes, plus the links to the books and resources that we mentioned in the episode. In this episode, we mentioned quite a few books. If you enjoy this episode, make sure that you subscribe to the Menopause Movement podcast so you're always the first to know when each episode is released. And you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you for all of the five-star reviews. If you haven't left a review yet, please take the time to review the podcast because this helps more women to find it and get the help they need during the disruption of menopause. No one should have to go it alone. And thank you so much for being a part of the menopause movement. I appreciate you so much. And now let's get to Makosi and our interview all about spirituality and the woo.
Welcome back to the Menopause Number Podcast. Yeah. So glad you're here. So, boy, the last time we talked, the world was very different. Crazy, right? It was, <laughs> I mean, what was it? it? Was I don't remember when you aired, but I think we talked in like before the end of last year, or maybe I don't know. Is today is the one the one year anniversary of the podcast? Ooh, yeah, exciting! So Congrats! Yeah, so it's a really good day, and I just you know, and so this is like our this will be like our sixty sixty some odd episode, you know. That's so, awesome. You're in the top like fifteen downloads in the Menopause Movement podcast, because, you know, we talked a lot about spirituality and purpose and that was awesome. And so now, you know, we're in this place where we're having, it it truly is a global reset. And we were talking earlier today about how, you know, you said that, that, you know, your, your husband told you about some women who just said they're not going to go back to work because they have prioritized being at home. And I told you about a man that uh, my wife was talking to a doctor who went up to Maine, who's a dermatologist. And, you know, as a surgeon, I could say, you know, we, we like dermatologists have a really cushy lifestyle, right? Because there are no dermatologic emergencies. Right. Okay. But what, what happened with him is he, he went up to Maine to kind of weather through this thing. He went up in like in late March and he's reprioritized his life. He created a stone wall. He lost 30 pounds and he realized he was living up here. So I'm in, I'm in Westchester County, which is a suburb of New York City. Mm-hmm. And he was commuting to Brooklyn for his practice. That's a long drive. Every day. Every day. Yeah. yeah. And so he just, and so he's up there, he lost 30 pounds and he's, you know, just reprioritizing his life. And so here we are in this really major reset. I mean, I think a lot of people, myself included, thought that this was going to be a couple of months and then we'd be able to go back to normal. And, you know, now this, this reality is setting in. It's, it's currently, today is June 26th, the day we're recording this, and it probably won't air until the end of July or maybe early August. But we are looking at, we're staring down more cases in, in the country not fewer because people are done with it, but it's not done with us yet. And so there's a big reckoning coming. And so, you know, you as a Shaw man, you're a Shaw man, right? Not a Shaw woman. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's been an awakening for me. I mean, over the last like three years, I've rediscovered my own spirituality and discovering spirituality. I mean, realizing that we're all on a spiritual journey that I didn't really understand. And I, I, I mentioned this when I was when I was interviewing at James Wedmore that I, I was an atheist before I think way back in 2017 when I started kind of hanging out with Mind Valley. Uh oh. <laughs> and then I was in a group where somebody mentioned two books. One was The Untethered Soul, and the other one was Autobiography of a Yogi. And so I got the audiobook of The Untethered Soul and just like, meh, it didn't it didn't sink in right. But then I got Autobiography of a Yogi, and that book changed my life because it made so many things make sense. And I recommend, you know, if you're listening to this and, or if you're watching on, on YouTube or Facebook or wherever, we, wherever you're, you know, getting this podcast, I do recommend getting the, the audiobook of Autobiography of a Yogi read by Ben Kingsley. <laughs> I'm adding that to my list right now. Yeah, but that book changed my life because not only does this guy talk about how he was always called to serve and find a guru and and be spiritual from early on, 
He also explains the miracles that we attribute to Jesus and how, how Jesus must have taught yoga, essentially. And it kind of makes sense when you start to understand from, when you take the Western Christian views, which are really very dogma and, and regimented, right? Dogmented. <laughs> I just hey, I like that. Yes. <laughs> when you take the Western Christian views, it's like you can only get to heaven through Christ and there's a hell and you're a sinner and all these things, right? And then you superimpose that on yoga and then you hear Christ say things like, the kingdom of God is within you, right? And you have the mind of Christ. That came from St. Paul, mm-hmm. right? And the seven, seven horsemen of the apocalypse, the seven chakras. And you kind of look at it with, you know, through the Bhagavad Gita or anyway, I, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to take, take over as far as spirituality goes, but the reason I say that is because that, cha- that changed my life because it made God much more accessible to me. And it made me understand that as a child of God, I am entitled to an inheritance. And it doesn't have anything to do with my being a sinner or repenting or any of that. Mm -hmm. And so that was a big deal for me. So to get to spirituality with you, right? I guess I'd like to hear again, you're kind of, you're just a brief, brief, kind of synopsis of your journey and how you ended up where you are? Well, I would say, even though I was really consciously on my journey, that that really happened, let's see, this is 2020. So that was, I don't know, six years ago now, something like that. That was the more conscious, okay, I'm going on this journey. But I was a very strange child. And I came into the world very weird and remembering who I was before. And I would relay things to my mom, to my family. I had gifts. I was able to interact with non-physical entities, people that had passed on, but also some other kinds of non-physical beings. And that has been my life always, but I suppressed a lot of it only because My mother was a a single teenage mom and also I'm mixed. So we grew up, you know, my mom is white, myself and my brother are mixed and we grew up in Southern West Virginia Mm. and we just dealt with a lot of, a lot of trials. Like every day, it's almost like it was a battlefield because we were dealing with racism all the time. You know, we were in poverty it was, it was a struggle. And so my sole focus was, I am not going to be a statistic. I am, I'm kind of rebellious. I have the heart of a rebel. So I was like, I'm going to prove everyone wrong. I'm going to be incredibly successful. I'm going to become a doctor. I'm going to just like go all the way. I'm going to use my intelligence and just make a way out of nowhere. Did you just like read my mail or something? <laughs> I mean, I didn't grow up in poverty. I, I, I didn't, you know, I was, I was fortunate enough not to have to grow up in poverty, but I was, you know, one of those rebellious, really rebellious people. And I remember in high school, I had a biology class or something and I didn't care about school. I always thought school was kind of dumb. And, and it's funny, you know, now with being in, in the 
you know, the sphere of influence of some of these people that, that we're in the sphere of influence of who, who tell us that, you know, we're, what are we taught in, in school? We're taught to be a factory worker, right? They're, the whole educational system is kind of broken. But I remember this biology teacher on the first day said, because I was joking around with my friends or something in the class saying, I can tell who's going to be really good in this class and who's going to not. And he looked straight at me. And I thought, you motherfucker. <laughs> You think that I, just because, just because I'm joking around that I'm not going to get an A in this class, fuck you. Watch, yeah. watch me, uh-huh. you know? And so, <laughs> right. This is yeah. so, I, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. And, and it was just like, it was just like, you know, what makes you think that I don't know what I'm doing just because, because I, I mean, I think it's ridiculous that we get tested on things that we can look up. Right. Right. I mean, why do I have to put stuff into my brain? that I can just look up like, like how to spell something. I mean, I can understand why you may want to be able to spell things. Okay. Granted, that's fine. But why would I have to, you know, memorize a fact that it's, I mean, as an adult, all I do is, you know, look things up, especially in the age of Google, Google. And so it was a lot more, you know, looking at the ability to critically think. And that's what I loved about, you know, my college time, because it was, it was, it was hard. I mean, I went to this school called Harvey Mudd and it was, really a lot about critical thinking and a lot, it was hard. I mean, it was really hard because they didn't really care about spouting facts. We had open book tests. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. sorry. So you were, you were oppositionally defiant like me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I think my brother and I both have kind of a rebellious spirit, but we rebelled in very different ways. His was like, this is stupid. I'm not doing it. Mine was you think I can't do it. So I'm going to do it and I'm going to show you that I'm going to be one of the best actually. Yeah. And so that was the way that I took it. And of course that's led us on very different paths that, but both of us still have that very rebellious spirit. So I ended up, we can call it the calling for me started when I was 15 and best friend was murdered Mm. and her boyfriend shot her in between the eyes that was on a Friday and she was still alive, still on life support, but she was essentially a vegetable at that point. Mm-hmm. And, and so she was, she was also a few months pregnant as well. And I had to tell her mom in the hospital that she was pregnant. And the very next day, her mom had to make the very difficult choice of keeping her on life support long enough for the baby to come but it was going to be months Mm -hmm. and also the financial burden of that. And so she decided to go ahead and pull the plug. That was on a Saturday. And because of what was going on, I I had chosen to stay the night with a friend who was close to the hospital. And so after they pulled the plug, I went back home and I'm, you know, I got ready for bed. I climb into my bed and I always go to bed way before I'm going to bed. And so I was sitting there reading and all of a sudden my friend popped up at the end of my bed. Oh. And I was like, cause I had had experiences before I had knowing I had seen things, but I had always kind of just, Oh, you're, you know, that's your mind playing tricks on you. But this time she was standing just, you know, like you're in the same room with someone. There was no denying that she was there, but I still tried. So I start pinching myself <laughs> and yeah. I was, and I was like, blinking. And I'm like, are you asleep? What is happening? And then she laughed and there was no audible sound, but I could see her laugh. 
And I was like, oh no, this is like really happening right now. And she telepathically told me, I just came to say that I'm okay and that I'm moving, moving on. And I just came to say goodbye. And from then on, the, I started to have more experiences because at that point I'm like, okay, no, this is real. <laughs> this is really yeah. happening. And it just kept getting worse, but I was still in school. I mean, you know, then going, going through college, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to become a doctor. I'm going to do this. Well, I ended up having a lot of issues with my fertility, endometriosis, polycystic ovaries. And that was around 23. And the doctor told me that I needed to consider, because my husband and I, we've been together for a very long time. We were already together and engaged when he had this conversation with us. And he was like, you're probably not going to have much longer to get pregnant based off of your history. And he also took care of my mother and she had to have a full hysterectomy in her early thirties. So he's like, I think you probably need, need to go ahead and start trying because you have a very small window. So I tried to get pregnant, struggled, did all sorts of treatments trying to get pregnant for over a year. Ended up finding out I was pregnant while I was being wheeled back to surgery <laughs> to help me get pregnant. Um, and all of that was while I was in college. So this is, you know, leading up to my senior year, I had a horrible pregnancy. So because of all of the issues, I ended up being on bed rest for six out of the nine months that I was pregnant. And this is while I'm in my senior year. So I'm taking like physics and chemistry and oh, all and, those pre-med classes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> From home. So there was the school I went to didn't have like online versions of that. It was just, okay, if you want to stay in the class, this is what you're going to have to learn. Go teach yourself and come take the test. Wow. So I had to teach myself physics, chemistry, you know, bio, etc. So even though I did well, I did well with all of that. But after my son came and I started to see the effort that I was putting in to learning, I was like, I can't, I, I just cannot after all that, you know, the nine months of struggle with the pregnancy and then the full year of mayhem that I went through trying to get pregnant, mm -hmm. I was like, I cannot go to med school. Even though I have the grades to do it, I, you know, really want to put a name for myself, but I'm like, this is just not going to be my path right now. Right now I'm prioritizing time with my son. This is probably going to be the only child I have and I want to be there with him. So I graduated, had a job for a short amount of time, but then ended up leaving and starting my own business so I could be at home even more. And I was doing the the home business thing and raising, raising my son. Of course, you know, I have a husband. So he was taking care of making sure that we were all right. And that was when I ended up through some crazy synchronicities, ended up coming across an indigenous spiritual school based in African and ancient Egyptian mystery schools. And that was in... I think that was in 2014. Okay. Or no, 2000. Yeah, 2014. And so I spent three years in that initiation, finished it, and then moved on because I had to go there for that. Yeah. So I was traveling back and forth 
a lot of it was here, but then I was also traveling and spending one, two, three months at a time actually in Africa. Which country? So in that time period, I was traveling between Burkina Faso, Togo, Benin, and Ghana. And then after so I that's all that's all West, all West. Western, Western Africa, yeah. Yeah. And then whenever I was called to become a shaman, I ended up doing that in South Africa. And I completed seven initiations in South Africa. And wow. then came back and then opened my spiritual doors to, I mean, I was always working with people during that time, but I officially stepped into my role in 2018. 2018. Yeah. All right. And started working with people. Yep. All right. Well, that's, that's really cool. And so let's just go back to like the definition of a shaman, because I want to make sure that we, that we have, you know, if somebody is watching this and hasn't had the opportunity to go and listen to your other podcast with me, which I think you should, if you haven't. Um, But let's just give a brief definition of what a shaman actually is. The way that I've been putting it to people recently is the easiest way to understand what a shaman is, is bridge. So our role is to be the bridge between the non-physical and the physical reality, between the spiritual and the practical, between, you know, the spirit and the body. And we kind of operate in this zone where we're of the world, but not in the world (laughs) type of thing. But it is something that um, it's complex. We have, you know, just like, just like doctors, there's different specialties. So there's different types of shamans. We have different healing modalities. We have different abilities. We have different roles that we play and what we're here to do. We're called to different things. And so that has been just sharing more insight about what actually happens in the spiritual domain. It's very, it's very complex, just like any entity, you know, like the government or the school system. It's a system within itself. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So you help bridge the gap between the known and the unknown, the what is physical and what is spirit then let's take a look at what's been happening, this, this global reset. This is from your outline and talk about the shamanic perspective of current events. I'd love to hear that. Yeah. I mean, on some level, <laughs> I don't want to scare people too much, but yeah, we're just getting started. Honestly, we're at a shamanically, we, we kind of see this time period and this is over the next seven, 10 years, Mm. we're kind of at a crossroads, a crossroads of humanity. And what's happening on a spiritual level is everything that's been hidden, it's always been there. But our, (laughs) our blind spots are coming into our awareness very abruptly. It's like, you know, you're sweeping the house and the rug is being lifted so that you can see all of the dirt very plainly, very clearly. No one is going to be able to hide the aspects of yourself that need to be transformed are not going to be able to hide. 
on individual levels, but also on a collective level. So it's very exciting to us, even though it's so many people are terrified and, you know, we, it's very real that people are being completely shaken and people are passing away and all of that is real. But it presents this huge opportunity for us to address these areas where we have been demonstrating a lack of humanity and a lack of being in sync with nature and our own essence, who we are on a spirit level. It really presents the opportunity for us to examine all these different aspects of ourselves and get ourselves back into alignment. Alignment. So alignment. I want to get to alignment in just one second, but I want to say that one of the things that, and, and, and it may have always been this way. I mean, I, th- I think I'm significantly older than you, but I, re- I remember being kind of naive as a younger person you know, when Reagan was president and thinking that the government really cared about us, right? Yeah. And what I've noticed as I have grown up and become a doctor and then you know, run my own business and closed it, all those things, is that the government doesn't really care because what I like to say is that America is the land of the corporation and the home of the profit. Sips tea. And, <laughs> yes. And well, yeah. And so you think about, you know, the history of America, you know, at least the whitewashed history that, that I was taught because I never learned about Juneteenth. I learned about Juneteenth this year. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 And that, I mean, just that alone, like I, I never knew that that was a, that was a thing because it was not taught. It, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't taught and it wasn't in the, you know, and, and they did say that, you know, oh yeah, the slaves, you know, the slave owners treated slaves like they were family, blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, you can't treat another human as property and think that, you know, that's, that's whitewashed history. Yeah. But anyway, so what I was going to say is that we're, you know, here we are in this, this era of having to really look and our economy's shut down. And again, the pandemic's not done with us, right? And we're, you know, currently as of today, at the end of June, we're having record increases in the West now. So it was, you know, it was in the East and the East is pretty much understands now as we as we open up we'll probably get more so the government you know obviously isn't what we've been told and so we start with that but i guess i guess i want to go to uh, uh, you know you, you said you said the word alignment so i want to know like what what does that actually mean mm. there's so many different ways that we can look at what alignment is but let me pull in the shamanic perspective So we have an understanding that every aspect of nature carries a spirit. And we'll call this spirit, let's call it DNA, okay? Okay. Organic, created naturally from the non-physical into the physical. It brings forth an essence or consciousness behind it. So we even see that the earth itself is a conscious entity. 
And the other planets also are conscious entities. Now they don't operate the same way that we do, but we are extensions or expressions of the earth itself. And each one of us, you can kind of look at it as if before we come into being, we make this agreement with the earth that this is who I'm going to be. I'm going to come into the world. I'm going to bring forth this purpose. I'm coming for this reason. And it typically is a unique expression. So certain characteristics, certain energy that I am going to come with into the world and that's going to be needed and it's going to be in alignment and maintain the harmony of the planet, which also is communicating with the other planets. Because the earth itself is trying to preserve itself, so it's trying to stay in harmony with the cosmos. So what happens is we come into the world and we forget that because we have to be able to forget it in order to have a human experience. It's part of the game. It's part of the human experience. If you remembered everything, then you, it's kind of like you're having a biased experience because you kind of know why you're here, how it's going to end. Didn't you say you remembered everything? <laughs> we can talk about that. I do. I want to hear that in a second. <laughs> we can I talk do. about that. Yeah. Because that's not a common thing. I had to remember that for the reason that I'm here. So that, that okay. there's a specific reason why I remembered who I was before. But even with that, I didn't remember everything. I only remember bits and pieces. Of course. You're, you're, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. So on an individual level, each of us is an energetic expression. And we are here. Part of our alignment is to actually be that full expression. But we come into a society that says, actually, we prefer for everyone to be like this. Blonde hair, blue eyes, push hustle, two kids, <laughs> man and woman, etc. It starts putting all of these expectations and, you know, it starts putting us in, a, in this box and we try mm -hmm. to fit into this box. Yeah. Very few of us actually are on a soul level meant to be in that box. And so getting into alignment is on an individual level, deconditioning, deprogramming all of these aspects of yourself that are not authentic to who you were born to be. Nature loves diversity. The diversity is what brings about harmony. It is not us all being the same. So that's where alignment comes into play. Yeah. So, so when you get to who you're really meant to be, right? I mean, that kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier when I said, you know, we're children of God. I mean, we can, we can actually say that we're children of, you know, if you want to say God or the universe or, you know, we come from something bigger, we're a piece of something bigger. And as the child of that, we have, we're entitled to our birthright and, you know, our birthright, of course, you know, if, if you're looking from the Judeo Christian side of things is the kingdom of God, mm -hmm. right? And the kingdom of God is within you. And so how do you access that? And you access that by getting into alignment. 
and ha and and saying no to the ego and understanding that nothing matters and that's that's what's i think is really hard is the detachment part because when you when you start to get detached from things people start to think that you're a little psychotic <laughs> <laughs> like you don't have they emotion. Do. Yeah. No, <laughs> and it's do. like, it's not that there's no emotion there. It's that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because in all the problems are already solved. And when you start to see that there is no problem because everything's already been solved, then there's no crisis. And when there's no crisis, there's no reaction. And when there's no reaction, there's peace. And when there's peace, there's alignment. Right. Am yep. I, am I getting onto it? Yep. <laughs> Yeah, it, you know, spirituality is this incredible, beautiful paradox. Exactly. Because, because you know, we, we're meant to be here having a human experience. So we're here to experience the full range of what it means to be human. And that means the emotions, the illness, the, you know, grief, happiness, joy, like all, all of it we came to experience. So there's on one side, this understanding that yes, okay, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter because everything always is. But then on the other side, well, we're here to also have a human experience. And so then it becomes more about, well, if everything already is, then I can just choose. It then becomes a, a, a choice a creation, what you desire to experience. And so that can be incredibly empowering to get in touch with because then you are not, you're not just the victim to the things that happen to you. You're able to shift into, okay, if I want to, I can choose for this to serve me. And how would I go about that? That's not to say that terrible things don't happen. We've had terrible things happen to us. We've had terrible experiences on a human level. And yeah. those are very real to a human. But we also have the ability and the power to choose how we want to act instead of just reacting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know... It I, I teach in my in my program when the ladies learn how to go, you know, leave their minnow misery behind and start living the minnow mate way. We we teach something a little equation that I learned from Jack Canfield, and that's in his book The Success Principles. If you haven't read it, it's a great book to read. And that is uh, E plus R equals O. Event plus response equals outcome. Mm -hmm. And there's only one variable you can control there. Yeah, that response. That's right. Yeah. And yeah. so, so it's, and, and when you get, when you get into a position of radical responsibility, when you start to understand that you really are responsible for all of the outcomes in your life, then it's like, Oh, I gained 50 pounds because of the way I ate. It's nobody else's fault. It's my fault. Once those things start to come in and you start to realize, Oh my God, I, it's my behavior that is causing this. Then it's like, okay, well, my behavior can change that. And so you start to find out, you know, these, this radical responsibility. And unfortunately, you know, some people don't get that. They don't understand that in this lifetime. And that is on a spiritual level, I will just go ahead and tell you, there's the majority of people 
on this planet at this time are what we would kind of look at as being younger souls. And that is what they are supposed to experience because we came to have the full range of experience. It doesn't happen in one life. Mm -hmm. So there are people who are here to like, they're at a phase where they're just here to learn what it means to survive. Then there's another group that's here that is having the experience of life happening to them. So I don't put any energy trying to convince anyone <laughs> that in that they have power. I'm going to say it and that's where I am. That's my perspective, that's my understanding of where I am right now. And if that is something that wakes up something in that person then it's meant for them to have that experience. But we really can't go around like waking people up to that. We just end up creating a lot of turmoil and resistance and more problems. That is not for everyone to even experience. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I, I know that I made a lot of things happen. And it was really funny. I, I, when, when, when my life was happening to me, I was still creating my life. And I didn't realize it. And it was so funny because somebody once, somebody that, that uh, you know, I was intimately involved with once said to me, I've never seen anybody have shit turn into roses as much as you. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and, and I just thought, well, you know, I don't know. I mean, because I, I know when, when it was, when I wanted to go to medical school, I mean, that was all I thought about. You know, and, and the way that whole thing played out, I mean, I got into medical school five days before class started. Wow. Yeah, I was waitlisted and I got in and I applied to a lot of schools. I got one interview and I got into the one that I interviewed and it happened to be the one that was seven miles from my home. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and so, I mean, and, and it's just funny because now after, you know, going through some of the, some of the subconscious programming things. I understand that, you know, I became a doctor because of subconscious programming I had since I was five years old. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't really probably my calling, but it was at the time because I did it, you know, yeah. just like I think you can have more than one soulmate in your life. Agreed. You know? Yeah. So, all right. Yeah. So I want to get back to this bit about remembering, remembering your past life. I want to, I want to hear about that. Yeah. So when I was born, I remembered the last time I was here, And it was over 2000 years ago was the last time I was here. And it was so funny when I was gender. No, I was, I was also female back then. Okay. And looked kind of similar, a little bit darker complexion and was in, in Egypt. And the reason why it's significant for me is because, okay, I kind of have to pull in reincarnation here. That's okay. So for human beings, we come and we experience life after life after life. And we accrue all of these different experiences and transform and we can say elevate. For myself, I came out of that. My soul came out of that a long time ago. But this time this time period that we're in right now is a really critical time for humans, for human beings. And so there are some of us who are here who came, who volunteered. We didn't have to come, 
but we volunteered and it's kind of an exciting thing for those of us that are that chose to do this we volunteered to come to assist in this transition in this transformation that's happening right now and be a part of and and provide because what my soul is really here for is about knowledge but not just information not just here to bring forth a bunch of cool spiritual knowledge that does kind of come with the territory but i'm really here to facilitate and to be an embodiment an example in the physical specifically of the divine feminine and what that looks like because this society has been so heavily on the masculine side in the masculine energy that now we have to rebalance and start to bring forth and value the feminine qualities to create harmony between yeah. human beings between human and humans and nature and restabilize so this is why we see any time that we see i'm going to bring i'm going to bring forth and i hope that this doesn't trigger anyone but many people who are coming forth right now are spirits that are let's say masculine in a feminine form or feminine in a masculine form and the society just you know brute just brutalizes people who are like that is their nature and so us as shamans we see those people as being representative of the medicine physical representations of the medicine that's needed at this time so there's a lot of different signs that we that we see that are happening that are coming forth to show us literally in the physical example of what it is that we need to create that create that balance isn't it true that in the in the native americans in in some cultures of the native americans and i don't know which because we've lost all of that because of our history in this country but there was male female and then there was another like mixed you know mm -hmm. and and there was it wasn't it was just it was okay and it didn't matter and and there was never any judgment about who you chose to love because it was just love. Yeah. And it's not just Native Americans. I mean, in any indigenous group, let me not say all of them, but many of them that I've come across, that I've interacted with, that I've, some of them that I've just learned about, but I've interacted with, you know, people of many different backgrounds. And that is just a nat, it, it can be a natural expression. But we're seeing, it happens so much right now it's mm. being magnified we see so many souls coming forth in that physical way as the example of hey we're out of balance and these people are coming forth to assist in us rebalancing so it's not that there's any not anything wrong with being who you are so i'm always there's just certain things that people say as a problem. And I'm like, this is just not a problem, guys. Like, <laughs> who, 
who really cares? Let's, let's concern ourselves with things that really matter about being human, that we're just like completely missing, dismissing, disconnected from. And it, the time now, this is really what this, this crossroads, this time period is all about. And I'm saying, this is kind of like the head. So this decade, we'll call it, is like the head. But it's, the transition's gonna be happening for like another thousand years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's a long time. Well, always, to I've us it's a long time, but. Yeah, not to the know, eternal. Yeah, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that long. So I've always had this question about reincarnation, you know, and, and we were actually supposed to go up to the Omega Institute, you, you nice. know, Omega Institute, right? Yeah. yeah. So we were supposed to be there next month for, or maybe this month for a past life regression uh, course with uh, Weiss, right? Very cool. And we got canceled and, you know, obviously and, and oh, we of coronavirus. And, yeah. Yeah. And we'll be able to go back, but that's not, I mean, that's not something that they, they want to do as a, you know, as a distance learning thing. You want to kind of be residential and, and whatnot. And so I've always had this problem with reincarnation in that if reincarnation is true, and, and now again, God is infinite. And if we really are a piece of God, God can do whatever the heck, right? It doesn't matter. Right. Okay. So, so I'll, I'll give that caveat. But it seems to me that you know, if we started as maybe a few hundred, I don't know how we got here, right? There's many, many theories on how people started, whether it was evolution, whether we were dropped here, whether we are not in base reality and what we really are is somebody else's video game. Yeah, okay, right? But the population keeps increasing, right? Mm-hmm. So how does, how does that, I, so that's, that's really where I have a real problem with reincarnation. Mm-hmm. because population keeps increasing and you know, there's Euler's law and you can only fit so many onto into a certain amount of, you know, a certain space. And then once you, once you do that, you start to, I mean, we're, we, this is exactly what happened. We, we started using up the resources and then look what happened. The, 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 the earth actually, you know, is, is doing what, what Euler's law shows. I mean, we're in that place where we're having a culling. So explain if you can. Yes, this is a very complex topic, and we, I could probably have an entire class on this topic, but I'll, I'll give like an abridged version. So the way that, we, that I kind of understand is if we see source being up here, okay, let's say that source, God, you know, whatever you want to call it, is up here and then a piece breaks off and this piece comes down and as it as it's coming down in vibration now it's getting closer to being able to be made physical and that piece is actually a group we'll call it an entity. And let's say, I'm just throwing a number, let's say that there's a thousand souls in that entity. Okay. Okay, and it's coming down and it's getting closer, moving through, there's like a layer almost of kind of sludgy type material. And then down here where there's matter. So you can almost kind of see it, envision it as like, as like a, the sea. 
So you've got, you know, really light yeah. and then it's getting kind of murky down here and then solid. You could even you could even look at it as, as particle versus wave, right? I mean, right. You know, yes. I mean, that's, you know, like how light, I mean, this is, this is what Einstein taught us is that light is not only a wave, it's a particle and that's the fastest anything can go. And then as something approaches the speed of light, the mass increases and that's why nothing can go faster than the speed of light. Right. Yes. So we have yes. that. So as, you know, if we're in this, this God, you know, this source place, then the vibration is so much that it's just space. It's just space. And then as the vibration comes down and that's, then, then you, you're vibrating at a slower rate. So you have solid, you know, it's like the difference between liquid solid and, and gas. Yes. Right. Because it's, it's higher vibration when it's gas, lower vibration when it's solid. So it's the same. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are, that's like, you know, taking Newtonian physics and applying it to the soul. All right. Yes. So we okay. got this. So, so does that, does so that, you can see that, right? Yes, yeah, sure. Yeah. So let's just take the three. I mean, except for the fact that, that ice is lighter in water, which is not a usual property of a solid. We can say that if, if the God or the source is like steam, and then as it comes down, it becomes a sea mm -hmm. of water. And then as it becomes even more real, it becomes icebergs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a good It metaphor. becomes, starts to become physical. So you yeah. have this entity, this, this would be like your soul group. Okay. The thousand souls in that soul group. And then they start coming forth as physical as physical beings. Yeah. So what we had was, okay, maybe at one point in time, maybe there were, let's say a million people on the planet, a million souls, and maybe they belonged to a thousand entities. Well, now what we have, remember I was saying before that we have, we're in a time period where there's actually a lot of young souls. So that million, they, their souls start to age, but then more come and drop down from source. And the, the souls, it, it's coming down because it wants to experience itself. It's God wanting to experience itself, right. all the aspects of itself. So then it, it is coming into human form as like a baby soul. And it's going to be a baby and reincarnate a few times, you know, maybe 10, 20 times then it's going to become a young soul. And maybe it's going to take it like 50 times to experience all the lessons of that. And then it's going to become maybe a more, let's call it an adult soul. Then it's going to mature, you know, then it's going to be an old soul. And then you see how I'm going up here. Yeah, <laughs> I see that. It's great. Yes. Okay. So no one's so just, be able to just hear for the people that. who are listening. Yeah. For the people who are listening and not watching. I mean, so what she's showing is that the young souls are more down towards the matter side. And as, as people are, or as the souls are evolving and becoming more experienced of source as source mm -hmm. experiences itself, they're, they're moving higher up in vibration, moving back toward source. Yes. Up, 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 up. And then yeah. eventually they've had most of the experiences. Their, you know, their vibration is up here. And then they break out of that need to become human. But there's other schools or levels of experience before they get up there, before they get all the way back to source. So this right. is where you have, you know, your 
ancestors, but actually they kind of come in, in between, but then they come back. Then you have above that, you have, let's say your spirit guides and like the ascended masters up there. So you've got like Jesus, you've got like Buddha up there, you've got all of that. Then higher than that, you have, you know, your angels, your, your divinities, your gods and goddesses, and then source. So ultimately our goal is to go through all this process. And then when, even once we break out of the cycle of having to become human, then you have these other layers of experience that are just different. So let's say you're at the level of guide and you're learning through guidance of a human and through all of the experiences on that level. And then maybe once you're, you know, at this level of divinity and you're closer to those types of entities, then you're concerned with more about the harmony of things, etc. Right. So but that doesn't explain that doesn't it. explain population though. So what we have right now, population wise, is we've had quite a few that have come down from source that are ready that are coming forth. So we have Young maybe souls. younger souls that are that are here. And we also have some of us who were here in the higher who have come forth to assist everyone at this time. And some as a shepherd. Some, yeah. Or because the the energy that they bring is in itself because they're holding such a high vibration. It's like being a transformer. So if there's a bunch of like cruddy energy, these people, their souls are literally taking in energy and transforming it from dark yeah. into light, from dark into light, from dark into light by their just, by just existing, by just being, they don't have to do anything. It's just their presence. And if you've been in the presence of these people, they don't, they don't even necessarily have to know it, but you can feel it. You can feel their, the difference when you're with one of these people who are, are like a human transformer. You know, that's, that's an interesting point you make about human transformer. I, so we were talking about, you know, autobiography of a yogi earlier, and you're going to love that. If you haven't read that book, you're going to love it. You're going to love, especially the part about when he talks about the astral plane, because he tells us about like, you know, his master came back to him and talked about this planet called Haranaloki. And I don't know, it's, it, that is so like, I, I kind of skipped over that part, but you, you know, you, you, <laughs> I'm you, looking you know, forward to reading it because yeah, a lot of that. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure it is a thing. I mean, you know, I think we've all experienced, you know, some sort of, you know, especially in our in our dreams while we're sleeping. I mean, there's like, you know, you can fly and you can do all sorts of things. And that's just a different set, you know, different level of consciousness. And so, you know, a lot of some people would even argue that we're, we may be more alive while we're dreaming than we are in in this dream world, but that's that's really woo woo. Not that we haven't been woo woo I mean, already. We've been, yeah, real woo here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but but here's the thing: I went to see the ashram in Encinitas, where Yogananda wrote that book, mm -hmm. and the I wasn't really that in tune with energy, and you know there were people who were kneeling at the you know like where he would sleep, and and I I, I couldn't do that. I, I don't kneel. 
I don't kneel for anything. And that's just me. You know, I don't do that. But it was really cool to see like the, the living room and you could, I, I could actually see him in there like entertaining guests. And then they left his shoes at his bed underneath his bed. And so I could see him, you know, and he just had a twin bed. He just like, you could see him going to bed and they had this beautiful office with the desk at the window overlooking. It's, it's actually Swami state beach in California. It's called Swami state beach because of the, the ashram that's there. And so the energy there, I mean, he, he was there, you know, he, he was there and I could, I could feel it. And, and so I love to go whenever I have to go to California for any of those, these events with uh, James Wedmore, then I, I stay with my cousin in Laguna Beach, although he's, you know, he's kind of relocating to Sedona. So that's, that's going to take away my California time. But, but I stay with my cousin in, in, in Laguna Beach and then I'll drive down and, you know, go to the services or something because I really have resonated quite a bit with that book. Now, before we move on to ancestral DNA, I wanted to say that there's a book that I read way back in the 80s that was written in the 60s by Arthur C. Clarke called Childhood's End. And it really is about the evolution of the species, a transcendence of the species, and how the children, you know, they, they grow up and they become, they become, I mean, and it, it, it might be something I think you, you might enjoy it. And, and yeah. if it, I'm a big, I've always loved science fiction, but that book emotionally hit me because it ended in such a weird, it was just weird because I was like, is this really a possibility? You know, because I think that he was on his own spiritual journey and this is how he kind of started to process it. But um, don't watch the miniseries because it's horrible. Really read the book. <laughs> the miniseries is really bad. It was on yeah. sci-fi and it was just, it was really bad. The book is really, I mean, that was, that was a really interesting book because of what happens at the end and, and the children just, they, they just become. And so... And, 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 you know, with the way you're talking, I'm thinking, you know, could we be in, in that? Are we at the beginnings of something like that? Yeah. I mean, we are, you know, I was talking about this kind of crossroads. It really is almost like the, it has the potential to be the birth of a different kind of human, another, a, a different species of human and well, um, when you say species now, you know, I got to bring in my science, bring in right? the science. Cause I love okay. it. Okay. Now a good species in biology cannot produce offspring, cannot produce viable offspring. So that's why when you, they can only breed with it, with each other. Right. So that's, that's the difference. So that's why when you, when you breed a horse and a donkey, you get a mule and that's mm -hmm. a, you know, they're, they, they can't, there's no more mules, right. They can't, they can't breed with each other. And so that's the, the, the definition of a species, truly, from evolutionary standpoint, is, a, is, you know, they can only... So if you think that we're breeding, you know, we're in the process of breeding a new species, and that means that... Or creating a new species, and that means that we won't be able to enter, you know, something genetically very different. Yeah. I mean, that, that is going to be happening, but it's not going to be like, you know, tomorrow. But what is going to end up happening from that? So we were talking before about all the souls here right now and the, just the sheer number. And not all of them are just human. There's m multiple different types that are here. 
but in human nee, form. Nee, 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 nee. Sorry, that, that's yeah. a little even, that's woo for me even. Uh, yeah, we can it's get. It's very science fiction. So you're saying we that we have, we have aliens on the planet with us who look like us? Yeah, well, this is like the, this is like the Earth suit. So they, all they have to do is come in an Des- Earth descend suit. Through, descend through that. Uh, yeah. And yeah, from that eye vibration. And, yeah. The bag of yeah. skin. Yeah. But we are going to see just in nature. So we don't have to do any population control. It's going to happen naturally. So there's a lot of things like we put our attention on as being problems that really are not problems. They're going to resolve themselves in very, like there's various things that are happening right now that are adjusting the population naturally. We don't have to go out of our way to think that we're smarter than the consciousness of earth that has produced all of us. It's going to happen very naturally as we're, you know, as we are even seeing technology change and you know, the way that we're moving on the planet and et cetera, et cetera, people are just naturally having less children. Or, you know, we have a lot more people who are just being more mindful of like, hey, there's a lot of children out here that don't have parents. So let's not have children and let's adopt somebody else's children. You know, there's so many things that are happening, happening naturally, where we just kind of like entertain certain things that we just don't have to put our focus on. Honestly, our energy is better spent in other areas because a lot of these things are going to resolve themselves. So over time, the population will naturally decrease. So now we've been going for a while. Do you want to keep going or do we you can? Wanna... I'm, I, okay. I am free today until awesome. the vineyard. <laughs> okay, great. So you, you put in your, uh, your outline here that you want to talk about the role of ancestral DNA and its role in consciously creating the future. So let's, let's hear a little bit about that. Yeah. Okay. So I, don't, I mean, I wrote that and I didn't know where our conversation was going to go. I didn't say it explicitly, but we've kind of talked about it because we brought in reincarnation. Yeah. <laughs> so we can't really get away from I never know where these it. podcasts are going to go. I just don't. <laughs> And like, let's they, have some they, ideas of what to talk about. But yeah, I think we're at a time right now where it's really important. One of, one of the areas that I'm really excited about right now is bridging the gap between the spiritual and the science mm-hmm. and making it very clear that there's certain things that are talked about in our ancient spiritual systems that if you just understand the scientific word for them, you will have a completely different perspective. And one of those things is DNA. Mm-hmm. So in spirituality, when we're talking about spirit, it's the consciousness in that DNA. It's okay. in DNA. So that is why we can say a plant has consciousness. The chemical compounds that are broken down from the plant do not have consciousness because they weren't brought forth from the non-physical into the physical. They were broken down and no longer carry the spirit of that plant. Mm -hmm. And it's also why there's so many 
issues that then start to come about because it's not a complete it's it's not whole well that's that that could i mean that could go back to like why we tell people to eat whole foods rather than eat crap that comes out of a bag or from mcdonald's mm -hmm. uh, you know fast well, let's just say fast food yeah right and so yeah that that makes sense and and the other thing that's really interesting about what we know about dna and science right now is that we can affect our genetics by our thoughts alone so Joe Dispenza is doing some really good work in this area. And, you know, some people may think that he's kind of a quack, but the science doesn't lie. And he's not, he's not doctoring the science. I mean, he's looking at IgA and, you know, he's looking at unwound DNA and he's looking at the epigenetics, which is the epigenetics is the very top part of the double, you know, of the, of the, the top part of the genes. So if you have the double helix, right. So the double helix, it's hard to explain, but it's, it's like this and they're cross-linked, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's the, it's the top part of those little cross-links there, yeah. right? And so, and that, he, he talks about the junk DNA, right? The, the DNA that we don't think is being expressed, but in reality, that is being expressed as our consciousness probably. Mm -hmm. And where, where our thoughts go, then that's how we can change our genetics. And that's how people are getting into the meditative state of the present moment, and then they're able to consciously or subconsciously change their actual current reality. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, yeah. I mean, not to, not to so you know, sounds, steal your woo. Sounds, yeah. I mean, it sounds, <laughs> okay. So you're talking about it in the scientific aspect. Yeah. It's been being said for tens of thousands of years in all these different spirit, you know, our ancient spiritual systems, our indigenous spiritual systems. It's, be, it's yeah. been said. So, you know, the work that he's doing, I absolutely love. And he's bringing it forth in a way that is making it more understandable mm -hmm. for a lot of people because... Uh, that's why I even... I'm starting to kind of like shy away from using the term woo-woo because it is more real than than what we think is real right there's this huge aspect you know they call it junk dna but it's the majority of the dna yeah it's yeah. more real <laughs> i mean listen you know once once you start to really realize i mean we live in a dream world and all of it is malleable right and and when we understand that our thoughts create a reality and our reality you know our reality our our shaped by our beliefs and our beliefs are also malleable because they're not necessarily true then then everything starts to change and then it it, it all the world of possibilities opens right mm -hmm. and so if you're listening to this and uh, you know you're still listening to this, this is a long one yeah I, I do suggest that you know dr joe dispenza's uh, books there's two books that i recommend by him and one is breaking the habit of being yourself and the other is becoming supernatural. Both are really interesting, and they're backed by science. and And it's it's hard to deny, especially me as a scientist, you know, to say, okay, when you meditate, your IgA levels go up, and that helps your immune system. I mean, okay, that that's enough, uh, you know. And what and, else uh, do you uh, need? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, the other thing is just the anecdotal part of when I meditate, and and even if even if you're not seeking God, even if all you're doing is doing a transcendental meditation where all you're doing is repeating a mantra for 20 minutes, it still trains the mind. 
-hmm. Because in America, especially, and, and in Western culture, we're not taught how to train our mind. And so, you know, we have Headspace, which I think is a really good first step. It's probably the best first step meditation program out there. And then you have something like Insight Timer, which, you know, has like 40,000 free meditations. Mm -hmm. But I really like Headspace because he's just basically, he just starts with treat it like a muscle and train it like you would any other muscle and start with a couple of minutes. And then, and then, you know, and don't worry if you're thinking, because that's the, the mind's job is to think and you just kind of, you know, go from there. And it, it's really helpful. It's really helpful to see that. And so when you start to, you know, like I, I read, I read this guy, I read Yogananda's lessons. You know, I, I bought his lessons from Self-Realization Fellowship. And then I got, I was able to get the lessons from the 1950s. Oh, so wow. the ones he probably actually wrote, right? And these yeah. that aren't like filtered. So, you know, you think about it, like, like the guys who, who followed Christ, right? And they, they probably, you know, they had his teachings that were, you know, in the first few, few, you know, 20, 30 years, they were probably right. And then men got a hold of them and kind of changed them around. And so what I love about, about Yogananda is that, you know, he died in 1952. And so it's still possible to get stuff, you know, it's possible to get video of him and stuff where it's, you know, it's, it's stuff that he actually wrote and, and you can see the difference as people got yeah. to it. So I read some of the original lessons. There's a lot more of them than what they give out now. Now there's like 18 and before it was like a hundred, right? Oh, wow. And it all comes back to the same thing. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. That's it. And where is that kingdom? In yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. So even when we're talking about like, when we're talking about ancestral DNA, we're not talking about something that isn't you. We're talking about you in here. So all of our indigenous and ancient spiritual systems had ancestor reverence. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of misconstruing around what that means because a lot of people think it means worshiping your ancestors, but it really means having reverence for oneself because you are them and they are you in yeah. the DNA. There's nothing about me right now you know, I'm mixed. I look very different than my mom and I look very different than my dad, but there's nothing about me that is just me. It came from both of those lineages. You know, maybe my mm. nose is definitely my dad, but you know, it could have even been a grandma or a great grandparent, you know? Mm -hmm. So we have to understand this kind of goes back to what you were saying before about that radical responsibility and how that's how we can use that to consciously create the reality of the future. If we choose to recognize that, okay, there were things that happened that maybe in, you know, this version of me did not do or did not experience. However, any trauma, whether you're the one inflicting it or the one receiving it or witnessing it, is in the DNA. It's in you. It mm. is you. And so the, the work that we do, I hate to use the word work, the healing that we do on ourselves, really connecting with ourselves, transforming the way that we perceive the world, healing all of those limiting beliefs or those perspectives that have been creating a 
less than desirable experience on this planet. The minute that you realize that, hey, I can take responsibility for the fact that it's in my body, well, that starts to heal you, but mm -hmm. also generations back because it's in the DNA, generations forward because it's in the DNA. And, and well, and because time is just a construct. Exactly. It's all existing <laughs> at the same time. I mean, we can go a whole, right. we could go another Ooh, hour. I know. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. That, that, that would be good. So we can consciously create our future based on the choices that we make now then. And that can heal not only our, our past, but our future as well. And, and I did have a podcast with Lindsay Parks last year all about you know transformational mindset shifting and she talks about how she left a very abusive marriage and one of the things she does now is she sends healing to her younger self who was mm -hmm. getting that abuse mm -hmm. and telling her that you're going to make it through it because it's going to get better and and i i think that the, I, I think back to times for me like in my teenage years, which were really, really rough, it was hard. I, I was a foster kid for when I was 15, and I think I moved like eight times when I was 15. Wow. Just being a foster kid. And, and I, I remember times just like sitting, and it, it's, it's, it's a really funky memory, but it's like, it's like I got the sense that everything's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Everything's going to be okay, you know. And, and this, it, it is the weirdest funky memory because it was like, yeah, everything's going to be okay and you're going to be a doctor and it's going to be fine. Don't worry. Just don't worry. It's okay. You just have to get through this. <laughs> I love that. So you, yeah. remember, you remember hearing your future self telling you. Yeah. I love it. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I it's, mean, it's, uh, it is, but it isn't. I know. I know. <laughs> So the last thing you have on your outline here, and it's, you know, only taken us an hour and a half to get through. And I and only put only, like three things on there. There's three things, I know. <laughs> how, this, the last thing you have here is how, how we change the world by becoming the change. Mm. So this one is really powerful because if we, this is, you know, kind of the next step of what we're talking about of our thoughts creating our, our reality. And of course, it's not just mm -hmm. you have a random thought, but it's the thoughts that you entertain. It's the thoughts that you keep coming back to that end up, you know, proliferating. That's not the word. <laughs> that end up in creating your reality. But if we come back to understanding, let's bring in a little science, a little bit of quantum entanglement. And the understanding of quantum entanglement is that all of us are one. All of us are, are connected. Who we're being at all times is having an effect. And when I'm saying being, I'm talking about that energy, that vibration, who you are being, even when no one's around, that is having an effect on others. So if you have a desire, to create transformation in the world. The truth is, is that you cannot save anyone else. You can only change this, change this self. 
So if there is something that you want to see change in the world, you have to first become it. You have to become the change. So there's so much going on right now around racism and how that's showing up and, and people are, you know, out protesting. There's other people who, you know, they're reading books or they're finding all of these different avenues to examine. But then there's also the deniers. Then there, oh, that. that's like a whole, there's like a lot of that happening that, oh, it's not me. I'm, I'm not that because I have black friends. If I hear that one more time. <laughs> there's a lot of that happening. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it, listen, I just, just to, you know, I've, I've done a couple of podcasts already on racism and I've got another one coming up, the man actually. But when I, when I realized how racist I was, because it was how I ta- was taught. I mean, it just, you know, I grew up in Southeastern Washington state and, you know, my mother called Philbert nuts, the N word, right? Mm. Just, it's like, what, you know, what, like, how can you do that? And then there was all the, all the media that said, you know, the media was like, Oh, black people are dangerous. Black people are dangerous, you know? And so it was just, and it was, and, and also that was, was like one of those sundown towns. We didn't even know it. I mean, I, you know, and the whitewash history and all those things. And so then I, I started like examining like what, what these beliefs were. And, and, and I was working in Watts. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, this isn't so bad. What, what, who's saying, you know, this isn't so, this isn't so, this is not a nasty, who says it's a nasty, na- it's not a nasty neighborhood. Yeah. It's not nasty at all. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. There's some really beautiful parts of Watts. Yeah. And, you know, and, and Harlem, beautiful. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, wh- where is this coming? And so I really had to exist. And so not to make this all about racism, but I just, I wanted to, you know, I had to acknowledge that there is institutional racism and it is there and it comes from, you know, from schools, the way yeah. we're taught from the beginning, mm-hmm. you know? Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm bringing it in just because it's such a clear example, but mm-hmm. it's not, because all of us were born into this, that's where that responsibility comes in. Yeah. I had to also, and still am, still am. It's an ongoing deconditioning process. It doesn't end. And I'm mixed. I've had the black experience and there are also racist ideologies that I was brought forth into, in this, into our system and, you know, our government and our cities and all of that, the way that they're Mm -hmm. structured and we're taught, there are racist ways of being. So the only way that I can really change that is to examine myself and how am I perpetuating that? So even right now we're at a, you know, this educational crossroads (laughs) because the schools are kind of the way that they're talking about reopening schools. I'm not okay with but I'm also looking at it as an opportunity of, hey, I've learned a lot and there's still more learning I'm going to do. But what if I choose to homeschool my son in a way that he doesn't have that same education, indoctrination, et cetera, that I had that resulted in me perceiving my own value? Honestly, I perceived my own value as less than. Mm-hmm and discounted certain experiences that I had and was even seeing black men in a certain way, et cetera, because of the 
the way that I had been taught in the, and things in the media. So if we understand quantum entanglement, the most impactful way that we can change the world is by looking at who we're being because who we're being is always impacting others. We're just, most people are not aware of that fact. Mm -hmm. They're clueless to that. But once you bring conscious consciousness to it, once you bring awareness to who I am being is affecting the mailman is affecting my neighbor in my apartment next door. And, and you, everyone I see is being affected by who I'm choosing to be. Then what is more powerful than choosing to be the best version of myself and dealing with these aspects that are perpetuating things that I don't want to see in the world. And what's amazing is miraculous things I've seen it with my own two eyes. People I thought there was no way they would be different. <laughs> Once I started to focus on me instead of, instead of I'm going to try to fix my sibling or I'm going to try and fix my spouse, instead focusing that energy on, okay, who am I showing up as? Who am I being in this? How mm-hmm. am I reacting to what they're saying, et cetera, and taking responsibility for that? They start to see that. They start being affected by that. And then they change unknowingly it ha- yeah. I've seen it with my own eyes. You know, I have got an example of that. So when, when I started my spiritual journey, uh, this, this time, <laughs> you know, back in 2017, when I really got into it and I started meditating, I didn't do that for anyone else. Mm-hmm. I did it for me. Yeah. And I would, we would go away and I would meditate twice a day. But we would go away and, and, and I'd meditate twice a day. And it was just, and, and it, wasn't, it wasn't for anyone else. It was just for me. And all of a sudden, my wife starts meditating. And I didn't, it wasn't like I tried. It wasn't that, that wasn't my point. My point was because I was like, I have to, because I had this view of myself that I was super prickly. That I was, and, and you know, even now people, people are afraid of me and I, I tend to be really blunt and, you know, I tell it like it is. And, and, and that's just, you know, I know something about that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I wanted to not repel people. I wanted to attract people. I wanted to attract the right kind of people to come into the menopause movement and, you know, who could see that there was a transformation awaiting them and those sorts of things. And so it's like, well, what do I have to do to change my outward vibe so that I'm not repelling people. And that was, uh, you know, and that was the work that I did. And it, you know, took me a couple of years to kind of start to like open up. I mean, I still hate surprises. I still hate phone calls. I still, you know, there, there's like a lot of weird stuff, but <laughs> you know, I'm quirky. You know, we have, we have our things. Yeah. Yeah. But if somebody is listening to this and is really wanting to start on a path, to become the best version of themselves. What is your recommendation for like a quick start to that? Ooh, a quick start. I mean, I'm going to go just simple meditation and energetic cleansing. Everyone can benefit from energetic cleansing. Oh, on let's the do regular. one. Can you do an energetic cleansing for a, for? I usually, I usually do use certain tools and I usually get into a certain space to do that. But what we can do is take people at least through the process of 
what that would be like, what that would feel like. And hey, it might work, even though I'm not like in the mode. But what's really important for people to understand is why they're doing it, what the purpose is. So if you understand that everything is energy and that our energy is communicating with each other all the time and also with other aspects of nature that are energy, if you are not aware of that, you can take on energy that is not your own. You can take on energy that is not of the vibration that you want to be. So meditation is great, but also having a, just a regular practice. I just, you can use something simple like water and salt sound. You can also work with someone. So one of my abilities is through words, through sound. I have to maintain my vibration, but through that, assisting others in clearing and healing. And it can be incredibly powerful to start to realize when you're doing this cleansing that I was feeling a certain negativity. I was feeling depressed. I was feeling anxious. I was feeling fear. And then I cleansed and now I'm not. And now it's really important because so many people are operating in fear. So many people are afraid of not having enough of what's going to happen tomorrow because things are changing so rapidly. Mm. And if you go out to get groceries, if you pay attention, you can feel it in the air and you carry it yeah. with you. You carry it home and then wonder why you're arguing with your spouse or, you know, biting your kids' heads off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you've picked that up. So participating in just a regular cleanse on a, I like to say, especially in the beginning, a daily basis, if you can, is incredibly powerful. So yeah, if you want, we can, we can give it a go. Yeah, let's do a, a real quick, quick one. Go, a real quick yeah. one. And this is so, great. Okay. So what I want everyone to do, if okay, don't do this if you're driving, but. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe, yeah, stop. If you're running, stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're on the treadmill, just yeah. step off for a minute. But allow yourself to get present, feel into your body. And so I like to start from the ground up, feeling where the bottom of your feet touches the floor, bringing your focus there and allowing yourself to be in your body grounded and in touch with the floor, with Mother Earth, fully connected. Feel how, well, I have a sock on, so feel how the sock touches your skin. Notice the temperature in the room and start to bring your awareness up and into your body, up through your calves, Notice any tension there, any tension in your knees, bringing your awareness then up into the thighs and into your butt. Notice how your posture starts to adjust because you're bringing your awareness where it wasn't before. 
and your body is naturally telling you what is the most aligned way for you to be and saying, welcome back into your body. Then you bring your awareness up into your stomach. Notice if you're a little hungry, what that actually feels like to be hungry and what a blessing it is that you don't have to feel that all the time. Bringing it back up. Notice if there's any tension in your chest. Right now there's been so much going on that most of us are forgetting to breathe. So allow yourself now that you're in your chest to take a few really deep breaths. And exhale. Another deep breath. And exhale. Continue to bring your awareness up. And allow yourself to continue those deep breaths. Bringing your attention into your shoulders. This is where a lot of pressure can exist because it feels like the weight of the world is on your shoulders. But now you're understanding that you can start to let that go. Bringing your awareness down into, into your biceps and then into your forearms on both sides. Notice how any jewelry that you have on is touching your skin. If you have hair falling on your shoulders, notice where it's touching. The point here is to bring yourself back into your body. And then we want to go into the neck and allow yourself to notice just bringing awareness without judgment of any tension or tightness in your neck and in the back of your head and then into the face. A lot of people hold a lot of tension here. If you notice that you have tension around your eyes, around your mouth or your nose, you relax that. And now because we are coming into this with the, the intention of clearing and releasing any energy that is not ours, we're going to shift now into commanding the experience that we wish to have. And you can do this on your own whenever you are utilizing a method that you choose but you can also just use the sound of my voice to release any negative energy that is not yours. And so I always like to start from the top of the head and release everything down into the earth. So I want you to bring your awareness to the top of the head and then slowly scan the body. If you're doing this physically, you can actually rub in a downward motion and release back into the earth. So we're going to start from the top of the head, taking deep breaths, not forgetting to breathe. I command any and all negativity to return to the earth and to the pits of the sea. I release any negative emotion that is not mine to carry. I release any trauma that's been with me and send it back to the earth. I release all blockages in my spirit, in my emotions, in my body, and I command it to leave and return to the earth. 
I release all tension that is not mine, any envy or jealous, jealousy that's been put onto me. I release and command back to the earth and to the pits of the sea. And now that we have released all of the negativity into the earth, we can now call in what it is that we want to see, what we want to experience. And I want you to imagine this coming, this energy coming in and up into your feet, up in, into your body, up through the legs, all the way up and just sprouts through you like a shooting light. And so now we're going to call in from the earth. We call in abundance. We call in happiness, harmony, health, prosperity, wealth, healing, abundance, wealth, harmony, prosperity, opening of all doors that have been closed, bringing in incredible relationships and opportunities, lightness, joy, happiness, peace, and all of the incredible things that we came to experience, we now have opened up all of the doors for that energy to flow through us. And then you can close by just sealing the top of your head, accepting that this is now your new reality. If you need to, you can grab onto your body to register it in and take a few big breaths to really integrate it into who you are. Wow. And then so express powerful. <laughs> I typically like to do that with my my medicine is usually water, water or sound. So I like to use I, I now use a sistrum. That's what I like to use, but I can also use a whistle or use pounding of some sort to create yeah. that vibration. Or I use it over water, speak into the water and then have someone drink it in so that it can become yeah. that it can become the body. But you can do this on your own. You know, after you take a shower, turn the water off and then get you some water with salt and just cleanse all of that negative negative energy other people's emotions especially if you are someone who's empathic this is yeah. really really important to do because you've got to get back to yourself and you can't do that if you're carrying around everyone else's stuff yeah that's great that's yeah. great well that was really generous thank you thank you so much for that that's, you're welcome that was great thanks so much for being a part of the menopause movement i really appreciate you thank you for having me now, if you have questions about the topics covered in this or any other podcast, I invite you to open a conversation with me via email at info at menopausemovement.com or on Facebook Messenger through my Facebook page at Dr. Michelle Gordon. That's D-R-M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-G-O-R-D-O-N. I also want to invite you to join in our next beta group. Here at the Menopause Movement, we are always trying out new methods of teaching and the best ways to get on top of your menopause symptoms. We regularly run beta test groups where we create a learning experience valued at $2,000, but at no cost to you in exchange for feedback and testimonials. To get notified of our next beta group, simply sign up at beta.menopausemovement.com. 
And thanks so much for being a part of the menopause movement. I appreciate you. 